0: Gonzaga Nation SI, Adam Morrison, Dan Dickow here, where we chat about any and all things Gonzaga basketball related. Today, we're going to chat a little bit on Santa Clara and St. Mary's, two unbelievably difficult games in my estimation this week for Gonzaga. The First up is the Santa Clara game at home. Uh, Gonzaga coming off a good road win against University of Portland but Santa Clara has struggled as of late they've lost their last two to St. Mary's as well as Pacific so they are wanting to keep pace with LMU and trying to get that number three seed leaning into the WCC tournament um, Mo you called the game if I'm not mistaken on radio where Nolan Hickman had to hit a big three down the stretch at Santa Clara what are your thoughts heading into this game
1: uh, I think we got to have a better start. They started the game 20-8 to eight on us. Uh, the lefty Podzowski or whatever his name is from Illinois is fantastic player. Uh, Herb index has got a good uh, system going. They kind of play only seven and a half, eight guys. Uh, you know, kind of lack of depth inside, but they have some bigs that are decent as well. So I think if, if our start is better, we can control the pace. Uh, you know, we've talked about it at length how that's a hard place to play. Um, so – you know, if Drew Timmy can play better than he did down there, he's playing fantastic this season. I think we can firmly control uh, the pace of the game, but we can't start the way we did down there. We kind of got bailed out. Um, like I said, starting out basically down 12 before the second media timeout. Um, our guys did a great job of getting back into, the, into it, but we can't uh, afford that because I think Santa Clara is more seasoned, um, obviously, later, uh, later on, and then obviously – Herb is a good coach. He probably wouldn't allow that to happen, try to uh, control the pace more. But a good basketball team, a team that's win games in the West Coast Conference Tournament, if they get a dangerous pick, and also if they get to 20 wins, I think it's, you know, a legitimate NIT team. So, um, you know, it's going to be a, a hard challenge on Thursday.
0: Yeah, they had a double-digit deficit early, like you mentioned, and then in the second half, uh, they were down double figures as well at, at one point. Looking back on your career with Coach Few in charge, when you were to get down double figures, do you remember the type of kind of approach that Coach Few would take either at halftime or or at a timeout? Because he's he's a coach that he's pretty well composed – but when he needs to, he'll get after you and in, in the group.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I he was kind of a even keel guy, I guess. He was more even keel with you. He, you know, he liked you more than any any of the guys in the last fifteen years. So, like, <laughs> ask ask yourself that question. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't really remember much of his in out deals or anything like that. To be honest.
0: Yeah, well, I, the only thing I really remember is in, in, when we would be in a in a rough patch, he would always go back to one of his his, his common phrases, and he still says it to this day quite a bit, is just keep sawing wood. Yeah. <laughs> just keep sawing wood. I mean, I think that's – you could go down the list of, of Gonzaga players, whether he was an assistant at the time or, or currently. I would imagine that is still one of his phrases that he uses in, in, in tough moments for teams.
1: Yeah, no, it's just basically, you know, trust the game plan. Uh, You know, don't freak out. He's always been like that. And, uh, you know, I think that in today's basketball, more so bigger runs are more common. Um, You know, 15, 20 years ago, you got down by 12. Some people think you're out of the game, not anymore with three point shot. And how quick with that we play? I know it sounds funny, but it's like kind of the Golden State Warriors effect. One of the you know, like you watch some of their games in the last decade, they'll be down. 14, and, you know, there's there's nobody freaking out in the first quarter. Um, so I think, you know, we have the same mantra as far as, okay, let's go on a 6-0 run. Let's go on an 8-0 run. We'll get right back into the basketball game uh, type of deal. So, again, I guess the Santa Clara team was, was a good basketball team that's struggled a little bit of late, but it's got some good talent, good balance. Um, our start has to be better, and that's not just because we're talented enough to come back, but we can't go to the well every time and try to have these late starts. We did it against San Francisco. Now I know we've progressed halfway through the season, but going on our last match, we got to have a better start.
0: When we talk about Coach View having, you know, really solid composure, not too many highs, too many lows for a coach, I think that's important. I've played for coaches that, you know, you don't know what you're going to get at different times when you come into the locker room at halftime or a timeout, um, I'm going to give you an example of one that kind of shocked me early in my career. While I'm talking, maybe you get a chance to think about maybe a, a high school, although Glenn was a pretty even keel guy from what I know, or in particular, the NBA or even in Europe. But my freshman year at University of Washington, we played at Oklahoma State and Henry Gallagher Iba Arena is, is one of the great venues in all of college basketball. The, the ceiling is low. It's loud as heck. Uh, Oklahoma State was really good at the time. They went on a run kind of towards the end of the first half, and the crowd was just bonkers, and and we were were kind of getting boat raced. We come into the locker room at halftime, and Bob Bender just started absolutely punching the locker room like lockers, and they were those metal lockers that you would remember being in in a high school locker room where it's metal grading, and it's kind of like got those diamond areas. And he's punching the thing so hard that it dents. And all of a sudden he like stops punching it and he settles down for a quick second. And he's looking at us and he's holding his hands up and blood is just tripping down his forearms because of him punching the, uh, the locker room. I think that was the first moment in time. I like kind of was like, whoa, I've never seen yeah. a coach go ape shit like this before. It was unbelievable. Do you have a moment with a coach like that? Uh. Fortunately, I do
1: not. I've had some, you know, everybody's gotten cussed out in their lives or in the game of basketball or any sport, really, if you've played long enough. But I was lucky enough to didn't have any uh, coach, excuse, uh, you know, use violence as a, a coping mechanism for his anger. So, no, no I didn't.
0: <laughs> so I win that one. Well, actually, I've got a, I got a player using kind of – we're wanting to use violence as a coping mechanism. You used – Stephen Jackson, as, a, as an example of having a good game against earlier, Stephen Jackson wanted to fight an assistant coach after we lost a game in Cleveland uh, in the locker room after the game. Uh, assistant coach Larry Smith, who went by the name of Mr. Mean when he played in the eighties, maybe the biggest, baddest, toughest dude I've ever seen as an assistant coach. Stephen Jackson wanted to fight him. It was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. I didn't know stat Jack like that. Uh, obviously I- like I said, I've played against him a few times. Nice guy; he was always friends with Jeff McGinnis. I like his podcast now, but I'm not going to yeah. go out on the limb and say anything bad about him.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything bad about him. I'm just saying it was uh, it was kind of a, an eye opening. Like, hey, he was ex- he was emotional. He was ready to go right after the game. Uh, let's move on to St. Mary's because that's the big game, maybe the biggest game of Gonzaga over the last couple of years it's on the road the yes they won at st mary's last year uh to win the league title um but right now st mary's is ranked as well st st mary's is sixth in the net if gonzaga were to lose lose this game on the road they would need a ton of help uh to be able to continue on the league title streak so st mary's what do you know of them so far this year and, and what are your expectations going in
1: uh obviously you know, Randy Ben's done an excellent job of getting this team playing good. Uh, the the freshman kid, Mulhaney, Mulhaney, I think is his last name, um, is a local kid, which is kind of an interesting story because they haven't had a, a, you know, a public school kid go to St. Mary's in a long time and be good enough. It's having a fantastic season, almost 15 points a game. You know, same situation, decent big inside, good enough wings, point guard runs the show, Mulhaney. Um, and they played just their style to a T. It's going to be hard-nosed uh, down there. They always pack that place. I'm curious. It's probably the, the time when both teams have been ranked the highest uh, that, that they've ever matched up at the same time. So um, I think you're right. It's, it's one of the bigger matchups we've had against them in a long time that had the most meaning. Um, and it's different when we're the ones that have to get the win to tie for first place than the opposite. Usually it's the opposite. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, hopefully we take care of business against Santa Clara and then go down there and uh, play a really tough team in a, in a, you know, a crazy gym. So it's
0: going to be fun. Yeah, it will be fun. It'll be a, a game on ESPN. I'm looking forward to watching, but, you know, we talked about the double digit deficits at Santa Clara, USF, BYU. um This is a team that you absolutely can't fall down uh, double digits to because the pace that they play and how good they are defensively, I mean, their defensive numbers, I think they're top 10 in the country defensive efficiency. And with the pace that they play at a 10 point deficit probably feels more like 18 or 20.
1: Yeah, they always play slow and methodical and then you can't allow yourself to get in to play at their pace. We've had situations like that before in the past and have come back, but it makes it a lot more difficult. The possessions uh, get smaller or shrink, um, you know, and then they do a good job of running down the clock. Um, So it'll be interesting. Again, it's one of the better teams Randy's had in a while. Obviously, he's a great coach, but it's the same story. Solid wings that can make a kick out three decent big and then your point guard kind of runs the show for you I mean they've done that in the past obviously Stella Dova Patty Mills Mickey McConnell uh who was the kid last year uh the really good guard before that uh yeah Koozie and then then, uh yeah then the little guard that could score you know so then it was just so it's the same thing this year even though he's a freshman and then they have the Marcelonis kid who's good too as a sophomore so um, if you can control the pace and take away their guard play you usually have the advantage but again when you play on the road you know role players play better whistles better for usually for the home team and then um you know the crowd crowd can be a
0: factor as well we're to the point of the year where you know you get all these bracketology websites popping up or articles on your main espn cbs all that um and there's a lot of them but there's uh you know, it makes it a fun time of year to start predicting where Gonzaga is going to be in the tournament. I've seen anywhere from three to five uh, as their their seed. Um, I've seen anywhere from there in Sacramento, Denver, or even having to go all the way south uh, to Birmingham. Um, How much do you look into bracketology or do you kind of wait until maybe two weeks out from the tournament to really dive into it? Yeah, I
1: kind of wait till the tournament. Um, obviously, you know, if you're a team that's in the first four and first four out, it'd be more of importance, I think, this year.